If you could fast forward 25 years into the future and interview your children about their education, what do you think they would say? Well, my guest today on this episode of Basecamp Live graduated from one of the very first classical Christian schools in the country, and their observations and reflections now more than two decades later are a real encouragement to anyone raising the next generation. Stay tuned for this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them. Basecamp Live will equip you to conquer the biggest mountains when raising the next generation. Each week, you'll hear from culture watchers, thought leaders, and storytellers who know the tools you'll need to summit the peak and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. Welcome to Basecamp Live, and now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Basecamp Live. I'm here in the studio with a full crowd today. Um, we're going to be talking about something that I don't know. I think this may be a historical moment as far as the movement of classical Christian education. Some have said it's maybe 40 years old if you kind of chased, chased up the, the DNA tree, if that's even the right analogy to it, back to the beginnings of this. A lot of people know Doug Wilson um, up in Moscow, Idaho, had this crazy idea to put his kids in a better environment and had read Dorothy Sayers' article and said, you know, there's got to be uh, a way to actually do this. It's not just theory. And so he launched Logos School um, back in the early 80s. And, um, and the amazing thing is we've got decades now of graduates. And so I'm sitting here in the studio with uh, Quinn Lucas and Mark Jacobs. You guys, um, you graduated and you've actually become really successful men in the real world. It's really exciting. Um, so welcome guys to the to Basecamp Live. And also yeah, Kirk Vanderlees here, a part of our and uh, the Ambrose team. So well, Mark, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And, uh, and Quinn, it's good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you guys graduated when? Just kind of get set some... Uh, so back, let's back, Logos kind of started, what, 81 or something? This was... Yeah, I think it was 80 or 81. 80 or 81, and you guys graduated when? I was 98, started in kindergarten in 85. Wow. And Quinn, what about you? I was uh, 99, started in preschool, I think, in probably 85. Wow. So. Wow, that's amazing. So, so tell me about this, just for folks, again, that are listening, we've got folks that are doing classical homeschool and schools around the country, and you know, th for many folks, this feels like something that's like totally new. It just started, but actually, it's been around. Um, you guys are evidence of this. So what was it? Do, do you remember back, again, some memories of those early days? What, what um, maybe stories of your parents, kind of maybe how did they find this school? This had to be like the pi earliest pioneers here. What was going on? Mark, what's part of your story? How did your parents get you into school so early? That's actually a really good question. I, I don't know the answer off the top of my head how they first came across Logos. Um, I know Quinn probably has a little bit it, deeper it, insight into it the, probably those wasn't, early days. It probably wasn't a, web, was involved a website. I, 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 no, I, I, I was on the web. There yeah. was no Twitter feed for Logos back then. <laughs> Some brochure they found in a Bible study. Or yeah, something. I mean, Moscow is such a small community. Sure. I'm sure that, uh, especially amongst the churches, kind of people yeah. got the word out. But. And, and Quinn, do you any idea how, you know, kids don't usually ask these sophisticated questions early on. They just know they're going to school. But do you know kind of what, as you look back on it, maybe what, some of the story, maybe why your parents wanted to be such pioneers, there had to be easier, more um, established options out there. Um, actually, uh, my dad was one of the founders with Doug Wilson. There were three of them, uh, Shirley Quist, my father, and Doug Wilson started okay. the school together. So. so so, tell me more about that. I mean, was your dad, uh, what was his role there? I mean, was just sort of desperate dads trying to figure out a solution for their kids, pretty much? I think my understanding is pretty much exactly yeah. what you just said. It is... Uh, my sister went to public school for first grade, okay. and I don't think my parents were wild about that. Yeah. And 
Uh, my parents and Doug Wilson and Nancy were very close friends at that time. Okay. And I think began discussing that there's got to be a better option. Um, they read Dorothy Sears' article, yep. like you mentioned, yep. and thought this is the better option and started a Blogos when my oldest sister, I think, was in second grade. So. Wow. Wow. So, any, uh, <clears throat> I mean, again, I just I, I want this to be an encouragement to so many parents today that already feel a little countercultural. They're putting their kids, they're not going, most of us never had this type of education, and we're putting our kids into a school that we're attracted to. But it, again, it's sometimes a little hard to know is this, the, are we doing the right thing? Because it's different. And I'm thinking, wow, as a pioneer, it was, I mean, how many were in your classes? I'm just trying to get an idea of like, what was this even like for you? Mark, what was it like? I mean, grammar school, you had how many people in the classroom with you? Yeah, I. I've got those old photos. I should have brought one in just to figure out how many kids were in the class. But I feel like in my like kindergarten class, it was probably ten or twelve, something like that. Not okay. very big. Yeah, yeah. I would guess right about the same. Yeah, so. yeah. And so I'm going to hear some stories. I mean, what was it like in those early days? I mean, this was eventually you guys ended up in a like refurbished roller skating ring or something. Was a crystal ball still spinning around back then when you were in there? Yeah, no, it was a big upgrade going to the roller skating ring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were meeting, I think, at a Seventh-day Adventist church when I got started there, and uh, that was all right. But I remember it was such a huge deal when the, the, the rink was secured and then all the work that was being done on wow. it. Yeah, to convert it from just, you know, huge open space to classrooms and hallways and yeah. all that stuff. So, yeah, it was a big deal when we moved over. I think I was in second grade. That's amazing. Well, and again, I think it's encouraging because so many people listening have kids in schools that don't have these amazing mm -hmm. buildings. And you think it's not about the space that it's a blessing to have it but it's really about this vision that that brought people together so and again i'm asking you to kind of speak as the child that you were maybe it'd be as you reflect now um and you guys are you have to reveal your ages but maybe let's kind of get a context of kind of where you are now in life so mark what you what are you doing you you're wearing a, a scottish quilt and a kilt on and you you are a latin interpreter is that what you've become in life? right yeah nailed it um <laughs> Because some people worry that's what classical people end up becoming when they go into the real world, right? Right. <laughs> so. uh, I do real estate, uh, both uh, family investment stuff as well as yeah. helping other people. And your kid, tell us about your so you're married, kids are held. Yeah, so I'm married. I've got a girl and a boy, and they're six and four. Julia's in first grade here at Ambrose. Okay. Yeah. Austin yeah. will be coming up next year. Okay, yeah. And Quinn, where are you in life? Um, I'm a mechanical engineer, and I... Uh, that liberal arts education worked, didn't it? Yeah. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, seriously, no. I mean, it's a good base for engineering. We've talked oh, yeah. about that in other yeah. podcasts. Actually, we get more engineers and scientists coming out of classical no, schools. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, the stigma is, out there is that um, the classical Christian education kind of leads to liberal arts. And yeah. um, I don't know that I would necessarily say uh, engineering would be considered one of the strengths mm -hmm. of the classical Christian education, but... I found it great. Yeah. And I mean, the classes that I was taking at Logos were, I mean, I retook them in my first year in engineering back in, uh, at the University of Idaho, where yeah. I went. Well, and, and to, uh, that, to that point, my brother, who also graduated Logos, is now both an architect and a structural engineer. Wow. Went to Columbia and USC and... So, I mean, <laughs> he did all right with the, did pretty well with that, the that, classical that, model. That yeah. old degree, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I know it's, it's messy business in those first few years. A lot of classical schools, I think, get overzealous and like, wow, we could teach two and three grade levels ahead. And, you know, everyone will have memorized Latin and Greek by third grade. And, you know, it's just, 
Um, we kind of toned down maybe, but again, early on, very, very kind of rough and tumble years trying to figure this thing out, but it became very formative in who you've become today. And so, Quinn, tell, me, tell us about your family. I think I jumped over that. So you got obviously married and... Married. My wife also graduated from Lucas uh, yeah. a couple years underneath, and we've got four kids. Our oldest is just seventh, and he's in first grade here, and then um, a five and three and a one. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and Kirk, it's great having you here in the studio. Being, being kind of from your vantage point of a headmaster of a classical Christian school, I mean, this is a exciting kind of to see this second generation actually showing up. Yeah, yeah, showing up and then committed to uh, to it for their children, right? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in rare presence that, you know, really only about 5 to 10% of the classical Christian schools in the movement in the country even have a high school, right? And so yeah. many of them yeah. started in the 90s, 94, 95 is when a lot of the, the large ones around the country started. So um, they're looking at 18 and maybe someday we can have a freshman and a sophomore and a graduated senior class. And um um, but to have these folks here who are 10 years past um, with their kids, seeing how it's impacted them um, and why they've made that commitment for their kids, it's exciting. Yeah, that's, that is exciting. So let's talk a little bit about that. Actually, we're going to well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to really spend the rest of the show talking about you guys have, with a perspective of your unique past as parents making a decision about where to educate your children and sort of what thoughts did you have um, that led you right on back to a classical Christian school. It's pretty exciting to be Here's Second Generation. We'll be right back with Basecamp Live. Hi, I'm Chris McKenna, the founder of ProtectYoungEyes.com, a website developed by a parent for parents with all the latest information about apps, parental controls, and digital trends that matter to you, including Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, and many other topics. You can subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter. Everything is free. We want to help you parent well in the digital age, so please visit us at protectyoungeyes.com. Well, welcome back to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here in the studio with Quinn Lucas and Mark Jacobs, a second generation classical Christian guys. And Kirk Vanderlees is here with us as well. Um, guys, we're just talking here at the break about, uh, you've got an interesting vantage point. You're now in your thirties and you're looking back. Um, how did this education change you? How are you a different person? Because I think that's kind of, what's the ROI on this thing? If you've gone to public school and you're sitting right here, I mean, you didn't have that path. So it's hard to maybe know concretely, but what are your sense? I mean, how has this formed you into a different person, having gone through a classical Christian school? Okay, I'll jump in. Go ahead, Mark. Um, we were <laughs> just chatting for a second about um, what I consider to be a takeaway for, or what I would hope my kids take away, uh, at least in part, would be just a grounding and rational thought, and um, being able to assess what's true, and um, think through that, and filter out what's coming from biased sources or flat-out false sources and just uh, being able to process it and uh, form their own thoughts and actions based on what they're taking in and their assessment of it. Mm. It seems like there's a lot of misinformation and people that are willing to believe misinformation or be easily swayed uh, in the world right now. And I think that uh, a a good grounding in classical and uh, particularly Christ-centered education is a yeah. good guard against that. So that logic class maybe. Really yeah, some lo- logic goes a long way, and <laughs> it's a good place to start. There's a lot of illogical thinking today. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, good. Quinn, what, what would you, how did you respond to that? Um, you know, actually, I think Mark covered pretty much exactly what I wanted <laughs> to say. I mean, I hate to be the one to say that, but it very much is. It's, um, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm an engineer, and engineers tend to be, uh, one plus one equals two, and yeah. you know, 
I don't care what color it is. It's, you know, math. But um, even, and so it's a very logical field yeah. is the field that I'm in. And even in that type of a field, the background that I have, I feel like has made me um, able to appreciate logical thought even yeah. more so than my yeah. um, associates and more so than, um, you know, my coworkers and stuff yeah. like that. It's just, and it is so important to be able to, and, and um, obviously the number one importance is the classical, is the Christian yeah. part of the classical sure. Christian education. Yeah. Um, that has to be the number one, but um, just even outside of, yeah. You know, as I think about you guys talking about this, one of the one of the inherent challenges of our of our modern culture today in 2017, not only are people we can't even have civil discourse. There's no logic. People just shout at, at each other about things. But even more, at a more basic level, there's just no collective memory. I and mean, the mm-hmm. Bible makes it clear there's nothing new under the sun. And the hope for our graduates, certainly my hope, I just had a daughter graduate, is that they've got a really broad working knowledge of, of, of the flow of human history and the biblical story and how that interweaves. And so when we think about how our kids read 125 of the greatest books, I don't know, back then it may have been 200 or who, who knows how many you guys actually read, but you kind of get We to, read them all. Yeah, I know. That, those, see, the early adopters were <laughs> even more strenuous. But, but, the, but the hope is, and I'm just asking, I mean, you can say absolutely no, that didn't happen, but I think you've had a, you've had a vantage point that the person you're sitting at work with who's maybe not as well broadly read and is aware of some of the pitfalls of human history or maybe some of the things that we chase after that we think are going to lead to better gains. We realize, well, I've read that outcome and, you know, in a piece of literature years ago. And anyhow, it, it, am I, am I, does that resonate? Is there a sense in which you feel like you approach life kind of with a, a bigger uh, sense of, of human history and, and, and theology? I mean, is that kind of, is it richer for you? Yeah, you know, um, that's actually funny that you mentioned that. I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers the other day, and he was asking me about the history of the various religions of the world. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked, honestly, how little he knew mm-hmm. about those. And, um, you know, that may not be something that comes up every day in sure. your life. Sure. But it is. Um, came up at an engineering firm. Yeah, it came <laughs> up at an engineering yeah. firm. I'm not sure where else it could. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, no, it is very much um, having that reference and having that um, ability to look back at what you know has happened before in the history of the world and see trends that yeah. are coming out right now. Right. Yeah, and culturally speaking, I feel grateful to have some basis for understanding the arts and. Mm. Uh, I think I would be pretty lost in how to enjoy those or interpret those without the foundations that we yeah. that we got. It's okay. one of the goals we talk about here is a developed aesthetic, right? yeah. and you've been you've been given that, you've been imparted that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make your way way through. Um, yeah, great. Well, and I think that's just one of the challenges inherently. I mean, the evangelical church movement in general has been sort of a it, it trends in, at times towards anti-intellectualism and just sort of a, an oversimplification of, of where we've come from and who we are. And I think that's what, again, it's exciting to hear you guys talk about, even an engineering firm. We're, we're actually bringing up answers that the average person who maybe went to a public school or just, and this is, these are people that went to these public schools or charter schools back in the 80s or 90s. And I think about today with sort of a revisionist mm-hmm. history and, and, and common core. I mean, how many kids fast forward today another 25 years out and they're in the studio. That'll be interesting to interview them someday. But I mean, they grew up in a world that's even more 
hostile and detached and unaware of its moorings. And here we are really anchoring deep into, into this, um, into what they're reading. And so it's all that to say, um, that's you guys. So now just kind of in the, in the final piece here, I'm just curious, uh, with your dad hats on, your husband hats on, you had to make this decision for yourself. Um, your parents made it for you as a kid. And now your parents are, as parents, you're thinking, where do we want our kids today? Um, you, you had a vantage point that none of us probably had, which was I'm a public school, private school guy, this classical thing I discovered late in life, never experienced it firsthand. How did that influence your decision to pick a school for your kids? Well, I don't know. For me, it was, uh, it's interesting coming from this perspective because it's like, what, what other choice would there be? <laughs> um, yeah. It just seems like an absolute no-brainer having come through it. it I understand that we're in a kind of fortunate few that have been through that, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine uh, any other alternative. This is just uh, seems like the perfect fit for our families. So. Yeah, yeah. Quinn, did you, was it that easy for you, or did you? Yeah, you know, I think it was that easy for us. It was um, again. It was it, the education system, the classical education system, just makes sense. I yeah. mean, it it really does. It um, and it's. Um, I look at it a little bit like uh, Christianity. Um, you know, the Bible says that Christianity just isn't going to make sense to the non-Christians. It, right. It, it's not logical the to them. The narrow way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you are the Christian looking at the non-Christians, um, it is hard to imagine how it doesn't make sense to them. Hmm. And I think that, um, you know, not to put classical education up on the same level as Christianity, but I think in the same way it is a little bit that type of situation where being on the outside looking in, mm. it may not make sense. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, honestly, we were kind of the weird kids, you know, like compared right. to the public yeah. school kids, you yeah. were, oh, you went to go to that school. Well, okay, you you're learning Latin. I mean, you, you did know. have a football team. And yeah. You were, yeah. Right. And no, it, it, that's very fair. And I think that that weirdness is still very real today. And I think parents actually, in their quiet, honest moments, say, I I think they really struggle with that. Am I making a mistake? We get one shot at raising our kids. Are we doing something kind of experimental and weird? Or are we doing something that's right? And we don't look back and regret it. And I think that's what's so powerful about your perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, and for my wife, for example, coming not coming from a classical Christian background, um, she was more of an outsider looking in. What was her education? What, what did she, she was in public school. Okay. Um, yeah. Went to a Christian college, but uh, was public school all through, yeah. uh, up through high school. Um, so... Uh, she was excited about getting our kids in a Christian school, but particularly uh, Ambrose being a classical Christian school. Once she, once we started looking at, okay, well, what does this mean for test scores? And she started to understand the, the model and how it's geared toward phases of kids' development. And uh, it just is a, as Quinn said, it just makes sense. Like it's mm -hmm. the right way to do it. And anyone who takes a, a good look at it, like. Seems like they would have a hard time arguing it. So were you, and the, and the test results uh, don't hurt. <laughs> no doubt. Where, where is it? Where, were you guys a house divided a little bit there at the beginning? I mean, was she not you know? too much, but she just didn't know mm, about yeah. classical Christian yeah. education, other than just occasionally hearing about it's, it. Yeah. From me, but uh, when it came time to look at schools, yeah. it was a conversation. Yeah, that's really good. Um, well, I want to, again, time is short. I, I want to jump back just a moment back in the day when you guys were in school. I'm curious, were there times when you uh, kind of thought, maybe I, I need to be somewhere else? Because, Quinn, you're talking about, I mean, as a student, 
and this has got to be hard, uh, you know, for you guys, especially back then. It was like you're looking across the fence or talking to the neighbor next door, and they've got they've got all the bells and whistles and the kind of traditional American school experience. Yellow bus picked them up and the whole thing, and you guys are off to the roller skating ring and probably feeling <laughs> kind of weird. So, did you push back a little bit in the day and just you know say, hey, this is I want something different, or was there was there did you falter at all, or was this thing for you as a student um, pretty confident for you? My folks offered us the chance to switch to the public school system. Uh, certainly, I think at the junior high break and high school break, and maybe it was just any time we wanted to, never had any interest to do that. I always felt very much at home at, at uh, Logos. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quinn, did you get... Uh, yeah, actually, I don't remember ever having that option, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a theory that back in your day, parents were a little less uh, child-centered. I mean, to be honest, I mean, today, I think parents feel like it's an obligation that, you know, when their kid hits sixth grade, you need to kind of survey the kid and see what the kid thinks about it. And maybe to a small extent, but I love when parents are just being the parent and saying, you know what, I'm older. I think this is the best choice. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I was going to say, too, is just that... Um, even though I never really had the option, um, I, I wouldn't have taken it. Yeah. Anyways, you know, I mean, yeah, I was kind of the weird kid around the public school kids, and most of those were just in the neighborhood. But um, even at a very young age, I could tell the difference in the level mm -hmm. of education. Really? You know? Yeah, really? say more. Like, in, what, in what way? Oh, just, um, you know, I mean, I can remember playing football with some neighborhood kids once in the evening, and saying, oh, i got to go in and study for a test. And they were like, you study for tests? And, I mean, to me, that was in like... In the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the 90s, yeah. I right, studied right. for tests. You, you didn't know? have a <laughs> smartphone distracting you or anything. You yeah. Just, yeah. And they were like, holy cow, you... I mean, I can't believe that you study for tests. And for me, it was like, how can you not study for tests? <laughs> You'd fail, would you? You'd fail out, you yeah, know? Like we get A's for doing that. Yeah. 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 I played on the public school's golf and tennis teams very poorly. That's when Kirk and starts golf goes. Uh -oh. But um, it was a good opportunity to kind of rub shoulders with my peers on the other side, in the other uh, form of education. And uh, I can attest to Quinn's experiences as well. It's uh, actually learning, any, doing anything other than getting in and getting out of there yeah. was uh, mm -hmm. a, a, kind of a bridge too far for them, it seemed. Wow, which is pretty, I mean, that says a lot about your maturity as a teen. Because I think, again, it's, it's tough for a lot of our te teenagers today that, Again, blame it on technology. There's more choices. Parents are more encouraging choices. But um, I, that I, it's it's encouraging, and I think actually most of our kids are astute enough to realize there's something pretty special going on in these schools, mm -hmm. and uh, they want to hold hold the line. Well, this has been a real privilege to get to yeah. talk to Incredible. second generation. Uh, wait till we have third generation. So this will be a movement is is growing. Although you know it's it's still young in the scheme of many things. So, mm -hmm. uh, any closing thoughts, comments? No, thanks for your guys' hard work for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we really appreciate it, my wife and I do. So well, we're, we're so glad you guys are part of this, this movement that's uh, still in its infancy in many ways, but, wow, second generation. Well, thanks so much, Quinn Lucas, Mark Jacobs. Thanks for being a part of our discussion here on Basecamp Live. It's, uh, it's been great. We'll have to have you back when, you, when your kids have graduated and we kind of get that reflection, <laughs> so it'll be a lot of fun. I'll put that on my calendar. All that's right, it. we'll get that down. Sounds good. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Basecamp Live. I'm Kate Roberts, a senior this year, who has been extremely blessed with a classical Christian education. I know raising our generation isn't always easy, and we hope this podcast has been an encouragement to you. So thank you truly for listening. You know, with literally of thousands of others tuning in from across the U.S. and all around the world, you are not alone in raising kids in my generation. 
If you get a quick moment, post a comment to us on our Basecamp Live Facebook page and be sure to tell others about the show. Join us again for our next episode. Thank you.